When a man comes to me and says, look, I want to have sex way more than my wife does. She's just not into it. Usually the first thing I tell him and I say, you're not going to want to hear this, but it's probably because it's not good sex. Sorry. I just, I have to say that right out front. So your first strategy is to figure out how you can give her the kind of sex that she wants. Welcome to what I love about sex, where some incredible guests and I, Steph Kanowski, will be bringing you the tools for improving your sex life with topics such as sex issues with your partner, sexual self-confidence, premature ejaculation, sexual shame, masturbation, sharing your fetishes, orgasmic pleasure, and more. Sex is still so taboo, and I personally believe that by improving our understanding and communication skills around sex, we can enhance our own self-pleasure as well as deepening our long-term romantic relationships. So listen in, try to stay open-minded, and let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the What I Love About Sex podcast. You're going to love today's guest. His name is Kevin Anthony. He's the host of the Love Lab podcast, is a men's coach, and a certified Tantra counselor. He's passionate about helping men be deeply connected to their partner and truly feel their partner's energy so they can have more and better sex. Guys, you're really going to love this episode. Kevin gives really tangible, tactical, clear advice for steps to move forward if you're struggling in your sexual partnership, especially, you know, being in a, in a partnership of many years and not knowing what to do when it comes to improving your sex life. I know there's a lot of you guys listening to this episode who are struggling with that. So you're really going to want to listen in to this entire show. Let's jump into it. Kevin, welcome to the show. I am so excited to talk all things sex with you. Well, I'm happy to be here. And sex is one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we were just, Kevin and I were just saying, maybe we should talk about politics instead, but then we decided no. <laughs> sex is for fun. <laughs> we didn't want to bore everybody. So <laughs> I want to jump into some questions based on your experience as a sex educator and having your podcast and speaking on this topic and really enjoying it. Those of us who do educate on this topic tend to get, you know, different, interesting viewpoints. So I'm just going to ask you three questions here. Number one, what's your favorite part about being an educator on the topic of sex? My favorite part. Well, okay. My first favorite, I have two favorite parts. My first favorite part is seeing the genuine transformation in people's lives. When you get those emails or those comments on your YouTube videos or the podcast about how you completely saved somebody's marriage or transformed their sex life, like that to me, honestly, is the best. The, the second one that's after that is, you know, work is still work no matter what you're doing right but on those on those days when you're not really in the mood to work and you realize that your work is talking about sex and like you know speaking to people about their sex lives or you know doing some sort of teaching around penises and vaginas you realize that your your work's pretty good <laughs> Yeah. Right. I was literally thinking that this morning. I'm like, it could be so much worse. <laughs> I <laughs> yes, have a really good. cool job. I wonder how many people's work actually gets them turned on. Cause that does happen from some, from time to time, you know, you're like, it's a sort of unavoidable. Right. I, I wonder that about erotic uh, writers too. I'm like, how do they, how are they just not horny every single moment of their writing experience? <laughs> like, how does that, does that work? But I agree. It's just natural. It happens. 
Um, All right. Number two, what's unique to you in terms of a piece of advice that seems to help the most amount of people in your audience? Uh, That is a great question. Unique to me. I mean, I don't know. Myself and, and my wife, when she was still alive and we were working together, you know, we would come up with a lot of you know, things that were unique to us in a sense that the way we would present it was unique. But at the mm-hmm. same time, we would often say to each other, you know, there's sort of nothing new under the sun. Like, you know, we're not, we didn't invent sex or how to have sex. We just came up with cool ways to teach other people how to do it. So I don't know that anything is necessarily mm-hmm. 100% unique to us, but I think if I had to come up with one thing, it's kind of redefining what sex can be. So a lot of people, they have this idea of what sex is and it's, it's pretty limited. And I don't just mean limited by like trying weird or crazy things or, you know, go in the 50 shades of gray direction, but just like for them, sex is, it only happens at certain times in certain places in certain ways. And I think opening people's minds to the fact that sex can be so much more than that is, is probably the, the biggest thing. Mm. How do you, what's like one example of that? Like where you have someone who does have their own viewpoint, like how do you get them to see a new viewpoint if they're very stuck in their ways? Well, that, that can be challenging. Uh, how do you get them to see something new? There's a lot of things. I mean, so we can get into some of the sort of psychological techniques or NLP techniques where we try to break people's patterns. I mean, Mm. but, but the reality is, is if we can just get them to try it right with their partner, just Tr- like humor us for a moment. You're, you're not really on board with this, but just humor us and just try it. And if they get even a little glimpse of what it can be, then suddenly they start to go, oh, oh, that actually worked. Okay. So like an example of that would be something like, um, you know, there's been two major studies done on how long men last in bed. One said three to five minutes. The other said five to seven minutes. Those same studies also came up with 20 to 30 minutes for a woman on average to have an orgasm. Big disparity there, right? And so if we could just get people to understand that sex can be longer than 10 minutes, like it's not just, you know, pump and dump and you're out, right? (laughs) (laughs) Pump and dump. (laughs) That you could actually extend this out into a whole... 30 minutes, hour long, hour and a half, two hours, however long you really want it to be. And that by doing that, you will experience waves of orgasmic bliss and energy and sort of altered states of reality that you just can't get to unless you can make it that long. Like that is one one area where you can really kind of uh, open somebody's mind to the possibility that this could be so much more. Mm. I love that. It's like about the whole experience, not just like do this, this, then orgasm, then wash up, you know? Yeah. And that's what, that's unfortunately what sex is for a lot of people. And yeah. the problem with that is, is that that's almost never enough for most women. Yeah. There are a few women who can orgasm really fast in the first few minutes and, and they've figured out their strategies. Like they'll use a vibrator while they're having sex or they'll stimulate their clit on their own while they're having sex. And they'll, they'll get that quick, you know, clit orgasm because they know he's not going to last that long. And she's like, all right, I got it. My wife used to call it the genital sneeze. You know, <laughs> when women just go for the quick uh, clitoral <laughs> orgasm rather than sticking with it longer and building up the energy and maybe mm-hmm. having, 
you know, uh, a, a G spot orgasm or, you know, a, um, uh, or even just building up on the clitoral orgasm. Like it's so much yeah. more intense when you, when you play and you take time and you do things in between, you know, versus just like, absolutely Going straight for it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, and and then there's the G spot and the cervical orgasms, which can be super intense for some women. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Last question, what's the most interesting or shocking thing that you've experienced as a sex educator? The most interesting or shocking thing Pick I've one. experienced? Ooh, man, that's a good question. Nobody has ever asked me that question. Most interesting or shocking thing? Uh, I have to say, uh, <laughs> most of the people I work with, I have to say, compared to what I have personally experienced in my own life when it comes to sex, uh, are kind of mostly pretty basic and, and relatively boring. So I don't really get a whole lot of shocking story, at least not things that I consider shocking. Um, right. It's kind of like after you've been doing what we do, nothing really is shocking anymore. <laughs> so maybe to the average person, it's shocking, but to us not. Yeah. Well, what, what's funny is they, they'll often have a little difficulty in bringing up a subject like, you know, whether um, they want to try a threesome as a couple or uh, maybe they they had an experience, you know, that, that like they didn't plan it. They were never thinking about having a threesome, but they were out and they had a few drinks and they ended up and like they have a little almost difficulty even bringing it up because they're like, oh, there's something mm. weird or wrong or bad or, or whatever. Uh, and it's just kind of funny because like there's, there's almost nothing that you could say that would shock me. <laughs> That's great. I agree. I feel the same way. Unless I get a dick pic and then I'm like, no, <laughs> that's always <laughs> that, a shocking, like, ah, that no. doesn't happen to me. It would occasionally happen to my wife. Uh, she would occasionally get the, the dick pic from somebody that wanted to work with her. And, you know, of course she would laugh and she'd be like, well, that's not going to happen now because as soon as you send the dick pic, you are automatically yep. off the list and not going to work with me. <laughs> yeah. Blacklist. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, thankfully I don't get too many of those, but you know, they're bound to come every once in a while. <laughs> it is an unfortunate reality of being a woman and working in that field. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, so you work with a lot of couples, like I would love to dive into some best communication tactics when it comes to especially mismatched libidos, because for, for me anyway, when it comes to, when couples come to me, um, typically the men I work with all men, so men will come to me and then they'll say, Hey, I want more sex than she does. And it's almost always, you know, I know that's not true for all men and all relationships, but all the men who come to me, they want sex more than their female partner. And they are asking for ways to help, um, navigate conversations around getting her to agree upon more sex more frequently. So I know I have my own ways of handling this process, but I really would love to hear like, what is your go-to reaction to someone who comes to you with that, um, with that need? Question. So mismatched libido is a big issue in couples and it does go both ways. As you said, uh, however, you will often see more men complaining about it than women. My wife, Celine, if, if I refer to her again, I'll just use her actual name, which is Celine, you know, her and I, we always used to say that if a woman is not wanting as much sex as the man, it's probably because she's not getting the kind of sex she wants. Mm. 
So when a man, when a man comes to me and says, look, I want to have sex way more than my wife does. She's just not into it. Usually the first thing I tell him and I say, you're not going to want to hear this, but it's probably because it's not good sex. Sorry. I just, I have to say that right out front. So your first strategy is to figure out how you can give her the kind of sex that she wants. And so now this comes into the communication piece. So the communication piece is first of all, communicate. You have to communicate. And this is one of the big areas that I see often, which is that there's just a lot that goes unsaid. So he wants more sex. She's not really into it. Maybe they tried to talk about it once and they had a big argument. And now he doesn't want to bring it up again because he doesn't want to have an argument over it. But now the resentment's building up because he's not having his needs fulfilled. Most likely there's probably resentment on her end too, because she has needs as well that she's not voicing and they're not getting met, but they're also not getting met for her even when they do have sex, because again, it's probably not the kind of sex that she wants. So the first thing is you got to communicate about it. The second thing, and this is probably the most important piece if we're talking about, well, really in either direction, but even more so from the men's direction to the women's, which is you can't blame her. And this is where a lot of men want to go is you never want to have enough sex. You're never in the mood. You don't want to do this, right? You can't approach the communication or the conversation from that angle. You need to come to her and say, hey, I have this need and I would like to have more sex. And what can I do to facilitate that? What do you need? Do you need more foreplay? Do you need more intimacy? Do you need, what is it that would make it such that you would be more interested in it? Do I need to lose some weight, get in better shape? You know, here's a big one for guys, have better hygiene. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so the first thing of course, is you got to communicate. And then the second thing is don't blame her for it. Find out what's in the way, what is preventing her. And that's going to be different for every woman. It's going to be different depending on the phase of life that you're in. You know, it might be that they've been together for a lot of years. She's older. She's going through perimenopause or menopause, and now she's got hormone shifts going on, and that's going to shift uh, her libido, uh, you know, especially if she is post-menopause, because this, this is something we see a lot, right? She's post-menopause, which means when her hormones shift, there's a, often a thinning of the lining of the inside of the vagina that happens, which can cause sex to be painful. So mm -hmm. she's not into it because it's like, eh, she's not lubricating as much. She's got thinner uh, wall of the inner um, inner wall of the vagina. So it's sex can be a little painful. He's not aware of all these things. He just wants to stick it in and jam her, right? And, and so you, you get all these things that can get in the way that people don't talk about. So, you know, she just goes, ah, no, I'm not really in the mood. Ah, I got a headache, ah, whatever it is. When the reality is, is I'm not getting the kind of sex I want and it's kind of painful. You don't take enough time to get me lubricated or, or whatever it is. And so you got to communicate about these things. You can't blame her and you have to create an environment where it's okay to say anything that needs to be said, right? That's really important. So part of the problem with communication with couples is a lot of times there's just certain subjects you just can't talk about because one person or the other gets triggered and then it ends up in an argument you have to create a space where it's like whatever is going on for you i promise that you can bring it to me you can talk to me about it i'm not going to get triggered and fly off the handle this is a safe container for us to have a conversation and we will work together as two mature adults to figure out 
how to rectify whatever situation is going on. And um, if you can't do that, then you got to go learn some skills. I, you know, I will recommend nonviolent communication to people. Like that's Love a great it. starting point. Great for, book. Yeah. Uh, how you can have a conversation without blaming each other and without getting triggered. I love how you mentioned the curiosity aspect of like, you got to find out, like, don't, don't blame, like find out what you need to solve your problem. You know, like take some ownership there is essentially what you're saying, right? Like, yeah. And, and there's this misconception out there that women just don't want sex as much as men. And it's yeah. just not true. It's yeah. just that women want sex, uh, more on their own terms where guys are kind of like, I'll take anything, anytime, anywhere. Cause whatever, you know, whereas women yeah. are like, no, 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 I want sex. I really do, but it needs to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. and so you got to figure out what that is. So, and, and sometimes that sounds a little ridiculous, a certain way, like, why does she got to be so picky and blah, 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 but they're not necessarily picky things, but yeah, she, she wants there to be some love. She wants you to take some time to maybe create a scene or an atmosphere. She wants you to pay attention to her and her body and what's happening with her and, and things like that. And if she's not getting those kind of things, she's likely not going to be interested. If she's younger, you know, that often leads to getting her needs met elsewhere. So cheating outside the relationship. But yeah, and that can happen when she's older too. But a lot of times they'll just kind of shut down and just be like, no, just don't, not interested. Yeah. See like this second phase, the first phase of the problem is like, she never wants to have sex. She always rejects me. Then the next phase is like, I approach her and I ask her to talk about it. And she says, I don't want to talk about this. Stop it. And there's a very like, I don't want to talk. So for those guys who are in the, who are in that, you know, phase where they're like, okay, well, if she doesn't want to talk, how am I supposed to be curious? How am I supposed to figure anything out? What would you advise them in terms of a next step? Yeah, that, that is a really difficult situation. And uh, a lot of couples, one or the other, will, will get to that place of, I don't want to talk about it. I would say if that's the case, there are bigger things going on in your relationship than just sex. And so rather than focusing on the sex piece, I would try to focus on uh, really course correcting the relationship itself. Because again, in a, in a really high functioning, healthy relationship, you should be able to talk about anything. And so if somebody's just immediately shutting the door and saying, I will not talk to you about that, there's, there's some other deeper underlying problem that needs to be solved. And, you know, so this is, this is kind of one of those areas. So for me, I mostly work with couples who want to fix this, right? So mm -hmm. They maybe they've been together for a long time. And they've lost the spark. They used to have sex a lot, but then they had kids and careers and all this stuff. And they haven't really figured out, you know, how to get back in that group, but they want to. They still, for the most part, genuinely care about each other. When you get into that place of, look, I'm not even going to talk to you anymore. That's kind of the area where I say, okay, what you probably need to do is seek some therapy first and get this relationship back on track before you even think about how do I get more sex? Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I agree that you can't, you know, go zero to 100 and make it about sex if your relationship is struggling and with basic communication skills, you know, um, that aren't even around like these tougher subjects. I even see, you know, you mentioned therapy, which I think it would be the most amazing step to take in that, in that, um, you know, predicament. And a lot of guys who come to me 
will often say like, oh, we tried therapy and she was super closed off. And it was like, she didn't want to participate at all. So what do I do? And I'm like, honestly, like at that point, if you have a partner who's not trying to even, you know, forget the sex at the, at that point, just try to become, create a a bond with you or improve communication with you, or even want to be on the same team as you. Like if your partner's not wanting that and not showing any effort towards that. You've got two choices at that point. Number one is do everything you can to show up the best you can. And so, you know, sometimes clients will come to me and they're like, you know, my partner's just not on board with this, but I feel like I need to do something great because everything does start from the inside, right? So it's almost mm-hmm. everything is an inside job. So start working on yourself, start trying to show up to that relationship as a better version of yourself first. So that's one thing you can do. There's no guarantee that that's going to shift the other person, but it, it could potentially. And if as you're doing that, you're not seeing the other person shift at all, then you really need to honestly assess whether or not you need to be in this relationship. Because a relationship is supposed to be two people working together. And if this person is just not willing to work on the relationship, whether it's the sex piece or the relationship piece, you really need to reassess, is this a relationship worth being in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I have, when I have guys come to me with this, with this issue, I will be like, let's work on you. Let's do everything we can that you have control over and let's see how she reacts. So pretty much like exactly what she's, what you just said. Um, and it's very interesting and it, it begins, it's very small it's a small progression because she's not even aware of what he's doing. And then sometimes she does become aware and she gets upset and she's like mad that he's trying to do all these things. And she's like, what are you doing? Everything's fine. You don't have to like blah, blah, blah. But, but it does work for many of the relationships where he'll start seeing little bits of reciprocation. And for the man who's very patient and knows that if I put in a hundred and expect like a small, like little small amounts of progress, I'm in the right direction. Um, but then there's also the guys who, you know, put in all the effort and their, their wife or girlfriend or partner becomes even more upset or even more distant. And then it's, yeah, like you said, it's about like, you got to understand if this is what you want to be in and do you want a relationship that's sexless and you can't communicate in it? Or do you want one that's fulfilling your needs and, you know, is you're in a team or it feels that way. And and as you said, it can take time. It can take time. It depends how long this resentment and this shutdown Mm, has mm -hmm. has built up over time. But yeah, it can be like, you know, chiseling away at it one little piece at a time. And it can take time. The question then becomes is, you know, how much time is too much time, right? So if you're doing all the work and you're putting all the effort in and you're seeing some progress, okay, that's a good sign. But if that's taking year after year after year and you're still not really getting where you want to go, then maybe you need to reassess. And then, of course, in the beginning, if you're doing all this work and just there's just nothing coming back from the other side, then then you really need to make a decision. Yeah, I believe like when it comes to that decision, I believe in communicating some sort of an ultimatum. Um, and I will I've had clients where I uh, recommended that they write a letter that expresses some form of a, a, an ultimatum. Um, what is your take on that? Like when it comes to, to really making that, getting to that point of like, all right, I need to make a decision if I want to be in this, do you advise some sort of ultimatum conversation or is it really just like, I'm going to have it in my head that here's the day when I decide it's just not working anymore. 
That's a good question. I unfortunately don't like the word ultimatum. There is the reality that if you're putting in the work, you're doing the effort and the relationship is not meeting your needs, then at some point you do need to have a conversation with that person and let them know that. And so ultimatum is one way to describe that because if you come to you know, this discussion and you say, look, here's what I'm doing. I've tried all of these things. I really want this to work and I'm putting in the effort, but I'm not getting anything back and therefore my needs are not being met and I'm not sure how long I can continue in this relationship if my needs aren't being met. So it's maybe just a softer way because when we when we hear the word ultimatum, we, we think, look, either you do this or I'm doing this, right? It, it mm. sounds very hard like that. Yeah, so, I would never have them use the word. Yeah, I think it's a horrible word. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a very like intense word. So, so the only reason I really make a distinction about that is just because if I were to tell a client, look, you need to go and give them an ultimatum, most likely what they would do is go, look, okay, my coach says, if you don't start giving me sex now, <laughs> I should leave, right? I'm out of here. Like, no, 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 no. That's not what we want. We want you to go and say, look, here's what I have identified is a real need for me in any relationship. This is what I need. This is what I need to be happy and to feel fulfilled in a relationship. And here's where in our relationship that's not being met. And here's mm -hmm. what I'm currently doing to try to change that. But I'm not seeing any results over here on the other end. And so that's mm -hmm. where you get to say, look, I really want you on board. I want you to work with me on this. I want to try to shift this. But if it doesn't shift, then this isn't a relationship I can stay in long term. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like how you worded that. I have a client currently who I had write a letter to his wife because she gets very defensive very quickly. So we're trying the letter tactic of leave her with the message, let her take her time to digest it and then get back to him when she's ready. Um, and it's not, it's not to the point of the ultimatum, but it is, you know, him expressing, I want to know more about you. Like, I, I still don't understand what you mean when you say this, like, can you explain what you mean by, and then quote her, you know? So I, I find that for guys who are on the verge of like, should I, should I, should I get out? Should I leave? It's like, let's try a tactic that like gets more answers for you before you even have to put out the ultimatum before it gets that intense. And that seems to work for, for a lot of clients of mine, that letter tactic. So I think that finding different unique ways to let people unguard and just be able to take it in the information and take some time often provides more answers so that they can work together. But for some, it doesn't. So it's just it's a matter of personality and relationship, I suppose. Yeah, it's 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 a good idea though. I, I like it because it does give the person a chance to think before they speak. Mm, yeah, because <laughs> because exactly. sometimes you know we're, what we're discussing here are is at least one person of the two who obviously has poor communication, right? Mm -hmm. They have poor communication skills. And so what happens in those situations is you try to have a conversation with them and they either shut down as one tactic or they immediately go into defensiveness and arguing, which is another tactic, right? Whereas the letter idea gives them a chance to like, you actually got to think about it first before you write it down on the paper. And so there's a little bit less of that just firing back immediately in defense. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I have, a, I have a question I'm really interested to know your thoughts on. I don't know how to word this question, but I I get lots of guys coming to me who say, 
um, and this is pretty common. Um, well, they'll be like, she hasn't been sexual throughout her whole marriage, but like, I want, I really want sex now. And I'll be like, what about the beginning? Like, did you have sex frequently in the beginning stages of your relationship? And they're like, well, no. And then I'm like, what about when you were dating? And they're like, well, we didn't really, we didn't really do it much when we were dating either. And I'm like, you know, and then all of a sudden you expect this person to be having sex like five times a week when they, you know, when you started your relationship, there was hardly any sex. And now you're all upset. And like, why isn't she having sex with me? What would be the the proper way to communicate with someone maybe you're dating before you enter a serious relationship to know like how important sex is to them? Or would they be open to improving that area of their life or like doing that together? Do you know what I'm asking? I think I do. Yes. So the, the <laughs> first, the first part is if that's how they were when you started dating and that's how they've been throughout your entire relationship, you, you can't expect it to be any different. In other words, you knew what you were getting into. Now, maybe it wasn't an issue for you then, and it is now, which means you've changed. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. We're, we're all entitled to change. We're all entitled to change what we want as we grow and mature and go through life. But again, you have to be cognizant of the fact that that's who this person is. Now, you can ask them if they're willing to change, if they're willing to go down this road and maybe experiment with you and try new things, but that's... That's who you decided to be in a relationship with. So you just have to sort of accept that. So that that's the first part. And then well, the second part of the question was, what can they do, I think, if they're in that situation? How do you take it from there? If it's like, all right, I have changed. I want more sex now. Yeah. So obviously the very first thing that you do is you need to communicate it and you need to communicate it compassionately to the other person and say, Hey, you know, I've been really feeling like I would like more sex. What do you think about that idea? Is that something you would be up for? Uh, if not, you know, do you know why not? Is there something I could do that would make it, you know, more appealing to you? And you just got to have those conversations. And now here's something that we didn't talk about in the last question, which we could have, but also applies here, which is, the idea of let's say you've been in this relationship for a while and they weren't uh into sex in the beginning and they really haven't been the whole way but now suddenly you are well now you need to sit down and have a conversation about how can i get my needs met that may be outside the box of what a traditional relationship is right because and we, i've seen this quite a few times in in couples i've worked with which is that maybe it's not the exact same scenario, but it's similar enough where they love each other. Maybe they have kids together. Sometimes they have businesses together. Like their lives are really pretty tightly intertwined and they don't want to unravel that. But somebody is not having their needs fulfilled when it comes to the sex part of the relationship. And so, you know, that's when if we can't get them on the same page, we say, okay, Maybe there's a way that you could get your needs met outside of the relationship. Maybe she allows you to go, I don't know, to the massage parlor once a month, or maybe she allows you to have a lover, or maybe you allow her to have a lover because it can go both ways. So thinking outside the box about, hey, we still love each other. We still want to be committed to each other in this relationship, but we don't want the one or the other to go with their needs being unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. And, um, we want to find healthy ways to get those needs met because what happens a lot of times is somebody just goes off and cheats 
right? And that, that's an unhealthy way. And that and there's no really, communication, yeah. there's no communication, and that can really damage the relationship. So trying to find healthy ways that are maybe a little bit different that maybe you hadn't thought about before that, you know, aren't necessarily the norm in your idea of what a committed relationship is, but that could potentially work and could potentially help the relationship. And I remember there was one more point that you brought up too, which is in the beginning, how do you let somebody know that this is important to you, right? Mm -hmm. Right from the start. And this is like, mm -hmm. okay, we have to think about dating in the beginning as like, you know, sort of taking the car for a test drive in a sense, right? So let's say you need a car that has to go a certain speed and has to perform a certain way, and you don't know if this car is going to do it. So you got to just take it for a test drive and see, does, does this meet? So what that means in the sense of relationships, and I know it's not the greatest analogy, but, but what it means is this is your opportunity when you're dating to ask all of these questions and talk about all this stuff right up front. And this is the thing that I don't see a lot of people who are dating do because they're afraid. They're afraid if I yeah. share this piece of who I am, they're not going to like me. Well, okay. If that's true, you <laughs> well, want to know great. that know. <laughs> right from the start before you get emotionally invested and you're six months, a year, two years, you're living together, you're married, whatever it is, right? You want yeah. to know those things right up front. So you need to show up to the beginning of every relationship as your absolute authentic self, you got to show all those parts. And I know that's vulnerable with somebody that's new that, you know, people don't necessarily want to bear all the different aspects of who they are, but you absolutely have to, if you want to avoid situations like this one that we're talking about. So when it comes to sex, you know, a lot of guys, when they're dating, they don't want to bring sex up too often. They don't want to talk about it too much because they don't want the woman to think that he's all he wants is sex. He's just about sex. But there are ways to talk about it. Like talk about the other things that, that you love about this person. So don't just focus on, oh, the sex, the sex, the sex. Say, I love you because you're smart. You're intelligent. I love what you do in the world. I love how you show up. I love how you treat me, like all that kind of stuff. And I love the way that we make love together. And that is something that's really important to me. You just got to get it out mm -hmm. right from the start so that they know there's nothing worse than being, you know, however long down in a relationship. And then someone finally saying to you, Hey, you know, I know I never really said this before over the three years we've been dating, but sex is really important to me and I'm not getting enough. And it's just like, what, where is this coming from? Why didn't you yeah. say this way back when? Yeah, I know. And, and it goes, it's the same for even married couples when they just like, there's so many, I know there are so many guys who just don't talk about it because they're afraid if they talk about it, they won't get it. And it's like, no, it's actually the opposite. You know, like the more you talk about it and the more comfortable you get with the topic and your partner and the topic, the more you have it and the more that frequency solves so many sex related issues because you find a comfort zone. And if you're talking about sex, every time you're having sex, at least acknowledging one part of it, after it happens, that's like, that's the way to just keeping it consistent and making it a comfortable part of life. And yeah, for people who just start dating, if, if they don't make that a comfortable part of life from the start, then it's just, yeah, like you said, there's zero expectations of that being important. Therefore it's not prioritized understandably. So, so speaking of changing people change and, you know, we do change. And sometimes our partner may lose attraction to us as we change, depending on what happens, some things we control, some things we don't. 
I, I had a couple guys bring forth the topic of what if my partner has been gaining weight and she's not as physically attractive to me and I'm having a hard time getting sexually turned on by her. How do I bring this up to her in a way that's not going to make her cry and I don't feel like an asshole and it's actually productive and helpful versus, you know, demeaning and embarrassing and that is a great question. I actually have a client right now who's going through this exact thing. Mm. <laughs> now, fortunately, uh, in his case, um, he's also gained some weight. And so the way we're tackling it in that case is we're getting them both on board. So rather than him saying, hey, look, you know, you've gained a little weight and I'm having a heart, you know, it's like, hey, look, we, we realize we've both kind of let ourselves go. Let's both get back on the bandwagon and, and get ourselves going. So, but a lot of times it is the other way around, right? Where it's, you know, she's just gained some weight. Now, I will say this. If you truly love somebody, there's a lot more than just the physical looks. Yeah. So what that means is it's not just how the body looks that gives you the erection. It's how you feel about that person when you look at them, right? So, you know, I mean, the perfect example, I, I don't know how much people know about my particular story, but, um, you know, my wife and I, uh, at a certain point she became ill and there were all kinds of things going on with her physical body at the time. And, you know, she was absolutely gorgeous before she got sick. Just like the perfect model body, gorgeous, long blonde hair. I mean, she was absolutely stunning. And I always loved that about her, but I loved so much more about her than just that. And so even when she was sick and her body was failing and things were changing, I never looked at her and said, I'm not attracted to her. Even though her physical body looked nothing like it did, you know, a year prior. So there was always still a, a physical attraction there. And so, um, or at least a, a mental emotional attraction there. And so I say that because if you really love this person, you should be attracted enough to be able to get an erection and have sex with them. Having said that, there is a reality that there is physical attraction and we all have our likes and our dislikes, what we would you like, what we don't like. And if our partner is, uh, no longer sort of meeting that, then again, we just, we need to have some compassionate and loving conversations and say, Hey, you know, I've noticed that, um, you know, we've been getting a little lazy. We haven't been eating properly and this and that. And I would love to see us get back to how we were before. It always helps, even if you necessarily don't need to lose a lot of weight, but it helps if you can get on board with the program. Right? So mm -hmm. that means, Hey, uh, I'm eating whatever I want and I'm still super skinny, uh, but you're eating whatever you want and you've gained a lot of weight. How about we both change the way that we are eating, right? Cause it's way easier mm -hmm. as a couple for you to, to make changes together. Cause you're living that lifestyle, like the groceries that come into the house, you know, rather than making one thing for one person, one thing for another, you're over there gorging on steak and whatever. And she's over there with, um, uh, plain rice and a piece of grilled chicken breast and she's not happy about it, right? So trying to find ways to change the lifestyle together, I think is a good way to approach that issue. Again, because you don't want to make it all about her 
and you know make her feel bad about it and then make her have to do things that she doesn't necessarily want to do because she thinks that you're not going to love her or be attracted to her anymore. Yeah. Even making it about doing more things together activity-wise is is a good way to go about it so that it doesn't feel like you're depriving yourselves of things. It's like, hey, let's go do more of this together. Or instead of having these types of dates, let's have these outdoorsy, adventurous type of dates where we're walking or hiking. But yeah, I, th- I like how you you made it about a team effort right? Like we're in this together. Let's figure this out. Let's do this together. It has to be. If you really, and this, this is the secret. If you really want to have one of those amazing relationships that you see other people have and you go, God, I wish my relationship could be like that. It's got to be a team effort. Every bit of it has to be a team effort. Mm-hmm. I often remind guys that when they're having conversations, especially like catch themselves saying, I, 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 or you, 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 and try to incorporate more we us, let's, together, <laughs> team, you know, all those words that in a conversation just make, there's so, it's so much easier to listen to because it's like, I'm not alone. It's not, I'm not being blamed. You know, it's, it's well, both for, of us. Furthermore, if you're a guy and you're using I all the time, she notices every time oh, you yeah. say that she notices. And it's like a little dagger in her mm-hmm. side. Every time you do that my house or my this or I this or I that when it's really your house and you're this and you're that and you did this together. Those those are little things that really add up over time. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you got to make sure that uh, especially when it is appropriate, you are using the we because and you know, sometimes people will say, ah, but I don't want to lose myself, you know, in a relationship. You don't lose yourself. This is another Mm -hmm. uh, misconception. You have yourself, she has herself, or vice versa. And then there's a third entity that is the two of you, right? Mm -hmm. But the individuals are still there. The individuals still make up that third entity. So that's the way you have to look at it. Sometimes people think, especially guys, because I'm going to lose my sense of freedom and and it's just us and now there's no more me anymore. No, that's not true. You can have you, but you also have to embrace the we. And honestly, if you don't want to embrace the we, why are you in a relationship? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and yeah, I, th- I think, you know, the, we, especially using those words during a conflict, it just makes sense because it's like you both, if you're in a conflict, there's you, you're both playing a part to some extent. So it has to, it just makes sense that you would use those terms because you are a team in that, in that situation. Um, so yeah, it's just, we don't want to blame either or it's just, we, we both have skin in the game, but love that. I, I did listen to a bunch of your, uh, most of your, uh, 36 questions podcast where you mentioned the 36 questions to love, mm-hmm. uh, which I love. I always send that to clients, that psychology today article or New mm-hmm. York times. I, I love questions. Like I'm a big, just ask questions, be curious, ask questions, keep like a novelty going, um, in the relationship, keep learning about the person. Cause we're always changing and we're always growing. So there's always more to learn. And I, I wanted to ask you, what do you think are the three best questions for couples to ask each other to improve their sex connection? Ooh, three best questions to improve their sex co- connection. Okay. Number one question is what kind of sex do you like? Mm-hmm. And that, and that's a question a lot of times people don't ask. They just assume, well, it's sex, like, yeah, sex. No, but there's lots of different ways to have sex. (laughs) And there's lots of different things that people like or don't like, right? 
So I think the number one question is, what kind of sex do you like? We like I to would... assume to protect our egos, right? <laughs> yeah, That's a lot of the time. <laughs> and I think too many times people assume that the other person is just going to like what they like. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of rarely the case. <laughs> there's there's overlap yeah. usually, but um, yeah. So I think that would be the first question. I think another okay. really important question is you really need to talk about uh, the frequency. Like what is your ideal frequency of sex? And this is something you should be asking right from the beginning of the relationship. But remember in the beginning of that relationship, you're in that honeymoon phase where the chemicals are flowing. And so your ideal amount of sex is every time we see each other. And then two years later, your ideal of sex is, you know, I'm good with once a week, right? <laughs> which is like kind of a big difference. But I think it's a really important question to ask in the beginning because you, you want to establish if there's compatibility there, um, at least if it's relatively close. So, you know, I mean, even... Uh, you know, Selena and I had this conversation. I think we were, I don't know, five, six years into our relationship and we were having this conversation about, you know, what is, not that we waited that long to have it, but it was like a check-in to see where we were at at that point in time. And uh, she's like, well, how often would you have sex? And I was like, you know, I like probably like three to five times a week would be good for me, you know? <laughs> and she's like, She's like, okay. She's like, I'm more like a two to three times a week would be good for me. And I was like, well, okay, we can, we can meet in the middle right there. You know, and sometimes we would have sex five times a week and sometimes we would have sex only two or three times a week. Right. But mm -hmm. just having that conversation and knowing where you're at, because if one person says, look, I'd have sex every single day. And the other person's like, you know, once a week seems like even a lot, like to some people that is a lot. Yeah. Right. So Figuring out, you know, because if you don't have that conversation, then you end up in that situation we talked about earlier where he's like, I want sex all the time and she doesn't want to. Well, mm -hmm. there could be lots of reasons for that, but maybe one of them is because one is a week is like, she's good, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that would probably be the second question I would ask. So what type of sex do you like? What is your frequency? Uh, what would be the next most important question? Um, yeah, maybe another good question to ask is like, hey, would you be willing uh, to try to make this a priority again and do whatever it, it takes, whether that's seeking coaching work or just, you know, scheduling the time on the calendar, which is something that almost every client I work with has uh, uh, pushed back against or like, I want it to be spontaneous. Yeah. I want to put it on the calendar. <laughs> to, which I say, to which I say, do you want sex or not? Because it's obviously what you're doing now by not putting it on the calendar and not making it a priority isn't working for you. Mm -hmm. So are you willing to try something different that might work for you? But that's a little aside. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, potentially novelty maybe in a sense that it's something, uh, yeah, like maybe you bring in a new toy or something. That, that could be simply novel enough for most couples, right? But it mm -hmm. could be you know, let's go to a sex club and have sex in front of people, not necessarily with other people, but in front of other people, or it could just be, hey, let's make this a priority. Let's let's hire a sex coach and figure out how we can really reignite the spark in our sex life. Mm -hmm. Love those. Those are great questions. 
Um, and yeah, for you guys listening, these aren't questions you just ask one time and then you're done and expect to have a great sex life for the rest of your <laughs> relationship. Sadly, I think that's how a lot of them think. Like, you know, we had a conversation about sex and it's like, that was five years ago. Things exactly. might have changed. Exactly. Yeah. These are things you need to check in with on a regular basis, but you can make it fun. You know, it doesn't have yeah. to be like, oh, we need to sit down and have a really serious conversation. You know, like when guys hear that, honey, we need to talk. And we're all like, oh, oh no. <laughs> dreaded no, words. The dreaded <laughs> words. It doesn't have to be like that. You know, my wife and I, we used to have these fun conversations all the time, just sitting there at dinner or sitting there on the couch. And we would just ask each other questions. And you mentioned this before about asking a lot of questions, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, she would just randomly ask me out, out of nowhere on a given day and say, tell me something about you that I don't know about. Right. Yeah. And, and that was always fun. And we actually, we got to the point where one day she asked me that question and I sat and I sat I'm like, I cannot come up with anything else. I have told you every story that I can physically recall in my own memory, you know? And that was a really, you know, some people may have been disappointed in that situation. I thought it was amazing because to me that mm -hmm. meant like, wow, we have shared everything, everything. Oh, love that. And, and I like how you say it could be fun because it totally can be fun and too many people look at it based on going back to what you were first talking about, there's a certain definition of sex where it's like, all right, must be this way. This is what it is. And that there comes a very serious nature when you have something that it's like, it must happen like this. Cause then there's pressure and there's stress and it, it can't be fun to talk about. So yeah, to incorporate fun. And I'm, I was telling a client this recently, like this could be an exciting conversation you have right here. Like, you know, you don't have to feel anxious about it. You get to choose. Like, do you want to be excited or do you want to be anxious? And he was like, you know, I never thought of it. Like I could be excited. Like that didn't even cross my mind that I, there was a possibility that it could be exciting. And I was like, wow, like that's so interesting. And yeah. My boyfriend and I have relationship check-ins we do once a month. And um, he said, hey, maybe next month we should do a PowerPoint presentation, and make it really <laughs> fun and like ridiculous and just have like funny slides and videos that we incorporate into the check-in. And he's like, and we could do like the PowerPoint every three every four months. So we'll do like three a year or something. And it could be like this fun night where we just like hang out and like present it to each other and just have fun with it. Like have fun, find ways to have fun, like teaching your partner more about yourself and like talking about how you could both, you know, have more pleasure with each other. Like you could find ways to make it fun. Totally. Absolutely. My wife and I, we created a, a rather lengthy uh, sex bucket list handout that we give to clients. And it's the whole point ah. of it is, is a conversation starter. It's like print this that. thing out, sit down together and go over like some of these things you're going to be like, that sounds really cool. And some of these things you're going to be like, no effing way. Right. But <laughs> it, it starts a conversation and that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe you go through it and it, it starts where it's like, no, I would never do that. And then you take it down a notch, the same thing. And it's like, well, would you do this? You know, and then you, you find out the levels at which you're willing to participate in. Exactly. How would you recommend the average couple, just knowing how the average couple thinks and defines sex and struggles with sexual topics, sex-related concerns or topics, how often do you recommend the average couple to have a relationship check-in that we're talking about where you're coming in with this curiosity, maybe asking like two or three questions to get an update on your partner? What would you recommend for the average couple? 
for the average couple, I would say once a month. I love that you guys are doing that, right? One uh, once a month check in uh, on the relationship itself. I think if you do it more frequently than that, a lot of people find it to be burdensome. And I think mm -hmm. that if you've been together for a while and you are deeply connected, you can space it out more. You don't need to check in as often. But for the average couple who has difficulty talking about things, I think more frequent check-ins are a better idea because if there's something that's not being said and you wait too long, this is how the resentment builds up. And this is how then things tend to explode out later on rather than getting them out maybe in smaller ways. It's like, think of it as a pressure release valve, right? It's like rather mm -hmm. than waiting six months or a year where I've been you know, resentful about all this stuff and then we finally have a conversation about it and we just explode on each other, having smaller talks about things along the way and check-ins, I think is a way to prevent that from happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned that because it's, it's totally, if you have a, an assumption about your partner and then the next check-in that you have, or, or just the next time you happen to talk about sex is six months down the road. Like imagine how much more evidence you could be feeding into that assumption that's hurting you and, you know, making your mind go crazy. And then you're, you know, you're snapping at your partner. You don't even realize why, you know, like they don't realize why. So yeah, it could solve so many issues you don't even know might be present by just having more conversations. Yeah. And you can, you can call a check-in anytime. Like if you say, Hey, how about yeah. once a month at the beginning of the month, we check in, we see where we're at and make sure we're on the same page. Great. But halfway through the month, something comes up. You don't have to wait. Right. Yeah. You can say, yeah. Hey, yeah. Something, <laughs> <Stress> that. <laughs> something's going on right now. I, can we please have a check-in? What my boyfriend and I do is like anything emergency where you're like, all right, we have to address this. Like I'm feeling a lot right now. Like this needs to, you know, be addressed. Then you just do it and you find the best time for you both, like as soon as possible. And I like to think of the relationship check-in more as like, Hey, here's what I'm really enjoying. Um, here's what I was really appreciative about you lately. Here's what I think we could work on as a team. And here's something that really made me really nervous. And I brought it up to you, but I just want to like, you know, let you know that I'm feeling better about it now. You know, I, I would appreciate if we handled it this way moving forward. Yeah, that's a really good point that you bring up is that these check-ins aren't just to to bitch and complain about things that aren't yeah. working, right? These check-ins yeah. are... Hey, Otherwise, they wouldn't be fun or enjoyable. <laughs> right. Well, that that's the whole point is if, if all you ever do in your check-in is air your grievances, right, um, then you're not going to want to do it. You're going to put it off. You're going to come up with all kinds of excuses, whereas the check-in really could be anything that's going on. And hopefully for you... Uh, in your relationship, your check-in is like, hey, let's sit down and have our check-in today. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Everything is great. I'm loving this. We're we're relating really well. I feel totally fulfilled sexually. Like everything's great. Like I hope that's what your check-in is every time. But if there are things that aren't working, that is also an opportunity to address them. Mm -hmm. And like you were mentioning, it's that safe space that you got to give each other where it's like here we could talk about anything and we're going to not get triggered. And if we do, we'll, you know, take a take a second, come back and um, yeah, just have a safe environment where it's clear you could just share what's on your mind. Love this. All right. Last question for especially men listening to this, because my my audience is basically entirely male, just based on these these couple conflict solutions that we've been discussing today, what would you say is like the best piece of advice to leave these guys with? Okay. Best piece of advice that I can give these guys is you have to learn how to be 
a frequent and effective communicator. Now, I know this is a stereotype, but it is somewhat true. We always think of women as being the better communicators than the men are, right? And you'll hear this a lot. She wants to talk and he just doesn't want to talk or he gives super short answers or he makes excuses or he gets triggered or, or whatever. It's not always the case. So I'm not going to say to all the males who are listening that you're a terrible communicator. However, in general, as men, when or really as young children, we are generally not taught how to communicate what we need or what our feelings are or any of that stuff, because that's not manly, right? And so we learn to just hold everything inside and just deal with it until it explodes, right? So probably the best piece of advice I could give is you got to start to learn how to communicate, do it frequently and do it effectively. And if you don't know how to do that, get some help, hire somebody that can teach you how to do this. A lot of times guys will say, I don't even really know, like they don't even necessarily know what those feelings or emotions or needs that they have are. Get somebody to help you identify what those are and then how you can clearly and consciously and compassionately communicate those to your partner because it all starts with that. Love it. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show, Kevin. This is great. And I know it's going to help so many guys listening. Thank you for having me on. I certainly hope it was valuable for the listeners. I hope this episode helped you. If it did, I would love for you to leave me an iTunes review. It would mean the world to me. You can also screenshot your favorite episodes and tag me on Instagram at Steph Ganowski. And before I go, remember, your sex life is as good as you make it out to be. Until next time.